Hello and welcome to episode 20 of Learn English with This Guy. Big episode, nice round number, nice even number, 20. Um, some new listeners, appreciate it. Every day seems like there are more listeners. And um, Turkey, Ankara, just like Turkmenistan a couple days ago, Somebody or many people are listening in Ankara, Turkey, and it's really boosting the number of listens that are coming from Turkey. It's actually like the fourth country now, right behind France, who is number three, the U.S. second most, and Italy still holding strong at number one. But all the new listeners, thank you so much. And if you are new to the podcast, what I wanted to do today was introduce a best of episode, best of. Basically, what I did was I took three segments that I thought would be very helpful um, to anybody studying English for the first time, and all of the segments you'll hear today are reruns, reruns, segments that have already been on the podcast before, but I've limited it to the idioms and the slang. So there are three segments. I believe there are 10 examples of slang and 16 idioms. And for this uh, introduction here, I would like to give a couple more idioms that uh, you might not be aware of. And I'd also say, uh, like to say a little something about what happened last night in Iraq. And for a moment there, it looked like, oh no, the U.S. and Iran might be going to war. And I just hope that that doesn't happen. It looks like uh, one day later, it seems like tempers have cooled, to use another idiom. It seems that the two governments aren't quite as upset with each other as they might have been before. Unfortunately, it seems that uh, the U.S. will be handing out more sanctions to the Iranian people, and I know they were already struggling before, and that is unfortunate, but... I do hope that one day Iran and the U.S. can see eye to eye. We've covered that already once in the podcast, but to see someone eye to eye means you understand each other, like you're in agreement with each other. So hopefully in the very near future, Iran and the United States can see eye to eye. And one thing that I think um, some Americans forget is that a citizen of the country is not represented by their government. In other words, just because you live in, I'll use my own country, just because I live in the United States doesn't mean I agree with everything that my country does. Just like if you live in Iran, 
everybody is different. Some people may agree with their country's government, and some may not. I know every American would be hard-pressed to say, that's maybe too much of an idiom there, but it might be difficult for an American to say, I totally agree with my government now, just like I did totally agree with my government three years ago, a little over three years, but not quite four years, when President Obama was in office. Just because President Trump and President Obama are such two different people and run the government in such a different way. So just because a government is doing something you don't agree with, um, I would hate for anyone to think of a whole country being like that government. And I know I've met some uh, great people through the app Hello Talk from Iran. I'm thinking of my buddy Mahi, and um, you know we've talked about our two countries, and um, it would just be nice if uh, there could be peace really quickly for both nations. It would be great to de-escalate. De-escalate. That's a great word to know in English. If you escalate something, it means you raise it up. You make it higher. And sometimes we talk about tempers or anger like that. You could say their temper has been escalated, which means it has been like raised. It has gotten worse. Um, you know those things in airports that have the stairs that move on their own? So we call those escalators. And so, you know, they go up. And um, tensions or attitudes or um, anger, temper can be escalated. Or if you put DE in front of it, de-escalated, which means the opposite, to go down. We have a couple pref uh, few prefixes. Um, that if you put in front of the word in English, it means the opposite. For example, un. So if you tie your shoe or you untie your shoe, a lot of times sticking un, un, in front of the word, it makes it the opposite. So um, before I get out of here, I would love to give you two more idioms in English that you might hear often. One is not my cup of tea. It's not my cup of tea. Not my cup of tea means, nah, I don't really like that thing. For example, you may have a friend, kind of a new friend that doesn't know you very well. And that friend may say, hey, I'm not doing anything Friday afternoon. You want to go play some tennis? And maybe tennis is just not your cup of tea. It's not your thing. You don't like playing tennis. Maybe you would rather golf. You can say, yeah, thanks, but tennis, eh, it's not my cup of tea. So that means you're just not into that activity or you're not into that activity or maybe uh, a TV show. Maybe uh, right now, a very popular show in the United States is a show that started in England and was on the air in the United States 
about 10 years ago. But because of Netflix, it's coming back, and that is called The Office. But I know that I love The Office. I laugh out loud when I watch The Office. My two kids, they laugh out loud as well. However, The Office is not my wife's cup of tea. She just doesn't like it. I don't know why. But she doesn't like it. It's not her cup of tea. And the last one I want to talk about is Pickle. Of course, if you've studied any English at all, you've probably come across the word pickle, meaning that uh, sour green thing that was once a cucumber, but now has turned into something else. We call that a pickle. But also, if you are in an awkward position, or if you're really stressed out, you could say, oh man, I am in a pickle. For example, let's say you have a couple kids, like I do. Now, my children don't need babysitters anymore, but uh, a babysitter is something or someone we call who will watch your children while you aren't in the house. Sometimes it's simply called a sitter. So if my wife and I were going to go out Friday night, probably not play tennis because that's not our cup of tea, but maybe if we went out to the movies and we would need a babysitter. And so let's say I called the babysitter on Tuesday night and I said, hey, um, I will pay you $10 an hour if you want to come and watch my children. Make sure they don't hurt each other. Make sure they stay safe. My wife and I are going to go watch a movie. This person says, sure, I'll be there. What time? I say, how about seven? And that person says, I will be there. And of course, it's a person I trust. You know, maybe I know a babysitter is usually a younger person. And maybe I know their parents and they're trustworthy. I trust them. But maybe um, the babysitter calls like an hour before we were going to go out and see our movie. And maybe we spent a lot of money on the tickets already. We would be in a pickle. We would be in a bind. We would be in some trouble because we might lose a lot of money. We can't let our kids stay home alone. We might be in a little bit of a pickle. Maybe we would try to get another babysitter on short notice, which means without a lot of time, on short notice to come over and watch our children. Or we might just have to lose out on the money we paid for the tickets. So, in a pickle. Maybe you have waited all week to study for your test that you have on Friday. Friday is a big day for this podcast. We play tennis, we watch movies, we have tests on Friday. And maybe you have waited too long to study for your test. We call that procrastinating when you put something off and you don't do it when you're supposed to it's called procrastinating so maybe you have this big test on friday monday goes by tuesday goes by you don't study wednesday you're watching the office because you think it's funny and then thursday night right before you go to bed you're like oh 
I didn't study all week for my test. You would be in a pickle. You would be in a jam. That's another way to say uh, awkward situation, uh, stressful situation, a pickle. Now, you shouldn't do this. This is a bad idea if you do this. But let's say you have a boyfriend or a girlfriend. And you have been dating that boyfriend, girlfriend for three months. It's getting kind of serious. But then you see another person at your work or at your school and be like, hmm, maybe I should date this person. And you're already dating somebody else. We call that cheating. We call that cheating. And you shouldn't cheat. But let's say you do and you go out on a date with this other person, but then your girlfriend, boyfriend from the last three months sees you out with this person, that would be a pickle. That would be a pickle. You are probably going to break up with that person. They will probably dump you. So a couple idioms there. Breaking up, that means when you are no longer seeing that boyfriend or girlfriend, you're no longer with that boyfriend or girlfriend, You're no longer dating that boyfriend or girlfriend, and they dump you. All right, I hope you have enjoyed this portion of the podcast. I hope you've learned a couple new idioms here. And if you stay tuned through the break, you're going to learn some more idioms and some more U.S. slang. So thank you very much for tuning in once again, and I will see you on the next podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And welcome back. Okay, I'm nervous. I have 10 for you. 10 examples of American slang. And I will explain each of them to the best of my ability. The first one is definitely one of my favorites. And uh, I have um, talked about this with one of my uh, friends who live in France, Nadar. Um, this one's get swole, get swole, S W O L E get swole. This is what I think young people say when they go to the gym and they're going to bulk up those muscles is that you're going to get swole and it's short for swollen. So I'm going to get all swole up. I'm going to get swole which means I'm going to put on some muscle. So that is, uh, that's how you can, how you can use that. Or if you're watching, you know, a sporting event and there's like this big, huge athlete, you can like, whoa, that dude's swole. That dude is swole. Um, people my age still use dude. That's kind of a common one, but, uh, even, uh, young people tend to still use dude, just maybe not as much, but Uh, Somebody certainly my age will use dude, dude, 
The guy swole. I, you could use it like this. I am going to the gym right now to get swole. That's the first one, swole. And of course, if you have any questions about any of these, leave a, a <clears throat> comment in the comment section or uh, check out my Instagram and I will get back to you. I hope number one, get swole, makes sense. Oh, and this is, you know, New Year. I'm sure a lot of you, although I heard today that Italy, uh, my friend uh, from Italy said, uh, Gianni, he said, not so much with the New Year's resolutions. That's a big thing in the United States, make a New Year's resolution. For instance, um, I am going to lose weight in 2020. I am going to start hitting the gym and get swole in 2020. And uh, the majority of people, most of the people who make a New Year's resolution, they stop within a week or two. You're like, eh, I'm not going to do that. But uh, a lot of people say, I'll hit the gym. I will stop smoking if they smoke. I will eat less. I will lose weight. I will get swole. So maybe uh, even if you don't, if you live in Italy and you don't make resolutions for the new year, which is probably smart because most people don't stick to them, maybe getting swole could be your resolution for the next couple weeks. The next one, they kind of go together. Um, number two, if you like something, you could say, whoa, that's lit. Or whoa, that's fire. So those uh, are two things that young people are saying these days. Dude, that's lit. It's fire. Meaning that is awesome. That is great. That is cool. To use some slang from my era, from my day, because I'm old. So, uh, brah. They, some, I, this is a bonus one, but brah. Bro. It's like short for brother. Brah. That's lit. Dude, that's lit. That's fire. So anything that you uh, that really impresses you, you can say, that's lit. Or this one was from a couple years ago. I think it's kind of falling out of fashion. It's not as popular. But, oh, it's tight. That's tight. I had a student a couple years ago that would just cringe every time I would say it in class. And I definitely did it ironically. I definitely did it uh, being that old guy that is trying to sound cool. Yeah, just make the kids cringe. Whoa, that's tight. That's tight. So that's lit. That's fire. And even that's tight. That may be a little bit older, but like I said, use all of these at your own risk. All right, the next one, number three, it's a quick one. I got you. I got you. I got you. I got you. I get you. I get you. So it's uh, it's kind of quick, but um, I got G-O-T. I got you. I got you. I get you. I get you. So it's said pretty quickly. It could be, I got you. I get you. I get you. It's just a way to tell somebody that, oh, yeah, you understand. Oh, yeah. Um, and some people kind of go along with this one. It's like, oh, you feel me? You feel me? Like, do you understand what I'm saying? You feel me? You feel me, bro? You feel me? 
So you feel me? You like you you understand what I'm saying? You feel me? I got you. I got you. So those are um pretty common, I think um with people my age and even younger, but it's just a really quick way to kind of get an understanding from another person. Oh, you feel me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got you. I got you. So that's number three. Hope that makes sense. And and some of them are said like so quickly that I can imagine if you are learning English, you're like, what is that? Is that one word? Well, no, it's actually three. I got you. But you really don't even say the T and got. Like, I got you. I got you. It turns into a cha. I got you. I got you. Yeah, see, for all you native French speakers, you guys love doing that. You love just like running five words all together. You're like, wait, is that one word? No, it's like three. So there you go. We'll get you back on that one. I got you. I got you. You get me? You feel me? You feel me? All right, number four. Uh, this is one of my favorites, and I'll use an example of uh, how I used it uh, this summer. It, it was pretty fun. Um, I, there's a, a YouTube channel that all of my students watch, and they're called the Nelk Boys. Don't even really know how to spell it. N-E-L-K, I think. The Nelk Boys. And apparently their claim to fame is they just sit around drinking alcohol, I think, all day. I have not watched any of them, uh, but so I'm not an expert on that. But I do believe these next two, and I'm calling it number four, they go together. Uh, send it or full send, full send, all right? That is when you are going to do something without holding back at all. Like, dude, send it, send it, send it. That means just, just do it, just do it. Or full send. Now, I hope my students um, use like full send when it comes to their grades or their marks. But we call it grades in the United States. Their grades, um, the things they earn for doing well in school or not earn for not doing well in school. So send it. Full send. Full send. That means like I'm, I'm going all in on this thing. I'm going all out. Um, I'm trying not to use idioms or slang here, but um, when you are doing something and you truly mean it. For example, this summer, my son and I went uh, bridge jumping. We'll, we'll go again next summer. Um, it's basically a bridge in a town next to mine that uh, it's a quiet road, not too many cars on it, but you can jump off this bridge into the river and it's about 25 feet down maybe 30 feet down I'm not sure how many meters that is but it's a little ways it's like a tall building but it's fun and so that's how we did like when we were gonna when we were gonna jump and we really meant it you know that you gotta full send it there's no way that you can half send you can't quarter send you need to full send when you jump off it like you need to mean it you can't be scared. Just full send. Send it. Send it. Um, if some of uh, if our friends or whatever were taking a little long at the bridge because they were scared, like, just send it. Just send it. Just jump. Just jump. So um, I guess if you're, like, about to do a stunt, 
I don't know what kind of stunt you might be doing, but you, you definitely want to full send it. You want to full send. No quarter send on that. Go all out. Be a full sender. All out. No looking back. Just go for it. Send it. Um, sometimes in sports, like if you're going to pass um, the ball or pass the puck in hockey, somebody might say, send it, send it. Dude, send it. All right, number four, one of my favorites, and I hope that can be useful if you ever hear it. Oh, full send, full send, do it. Um, you know, if you are young and you go out with your your buddies, your pals, and you go drinking, um, you know, if you're like, hey, we're just we're gonna full send tonight, full send, no looking back. We are going to have some fun. Um, number five, I got salty. If someone is being salty, means they are in a bad mood. Why are you so salty today? What, what, what's the matter with you? Uh, so salty, that is uh, pretty pretty easy to explain. It's just when someone's in a bad mood or they're giving you some attitude, they're give, they're being mean to you or whatever. Like, why are you so salty today? Huh? Number five, salty. Number six, another one of my favorites, and I actually say this quite a bit. This has stuck around for a while, but it's like, dude, chill. Number six, dude, chill. Chill out. Chill. Um, maybe if somebody's being salty, you could say that to them. Chill out. What's your problem? Chill. Chill. That means like to bring it down a little bit. Like, like you're being too aggressive. Chill out. Chill. Um, number seven is flexing, flexing. Now, if you are going to the gym and you are lifting weights and you're getting swole, your muscles, you might have some, excuse me, you might have some muscles now. So you could be flexing, you flexing, like making the muscle bigger, like you're flexing it. But when you flex on somebody, <clears throat> It could be, like, let you in on a little secret. For my birthday, I uh, I got the new iPhone 11 Pro Max. And the fact that I just told you that, it could be that I'm flexing a little bit. Flexing, it means showing off. It means bragging. Yeah. Why are you flexing? And it's not always a good thing. Like, it can make other people a little bit embarrassed. Like, oh, why are you flexing? Like, you know, if you just throw your phone out there, you're like, oh, hey, how's it going? You kind of flash it in front of their face. You could be flexing. Or, um, <clears throat> oh, just to tie back into Italy, right? Gucci. It's an Italian brand. I think anybody who wears Gucci's anywhere, you're flexing. You're flexing. You're just showing off. You're just trying to be all that, flexing. Dude, why do you got to flex so much, huh? Chill, chill. All right, number eight is GOAT. The GOAT. And this comes from actually a football player that plays football not too far from me in Boston. The first time I heard about this is uh, with his quarterback. His name is Tom Brady. And they call him, some people call him, some people disagree, 
the greatest of all time, the GOAT. Greatest, G, of, O, all, A, time, the GOAT. So if you hear an American person talking about a GOAT, but it's not actually the animal, that probably is an acronym standing for greatest of all time, GOAT. Um, you know, it could be like a rock band, could be a musical um, kind of act, um, a singer, you know, pretty much anything, a writer, the GOAT. That's the greatest of all time, the GOAT. All right, the next one, second to last, is, <clears throat> this is very hard to explain, I think, but it's woke. If somebody is woke, um, W-O-K-E, if somebody is woke. And a lot of times, I don't want to get into the politics in this podcast, because it could truly be an entire podcast in itself, American politics. But we have Republicans who are maybe a little bit more traditional. And then we have our Democrats that are maybe a little bit more progressive, I guess, to use a big fancy English word. But um, oh, man. If, if we talk about immigrants, right, <clears throat> the rights of immigrants, many Republicans would probably want to shut the borders. Like, no, no more immigrants. But then Republicans would probably, oh, no, come on in. You know, um, everybody needs a chance. Well, some Republicans might call those Democrats like, oh, they're so woke. They're so woke. Like, they're so ahead of the times. So when you're talking about someone being woke, um, it's a bad thing. But the person, you know, may not feel that way. Um, but being woke would be like, oh, we need to give more to the needy. Um, we need to have more rights for animals. Some people may think that's a waste of time. They're like, oh, they're showing how woke they are by um, raising awareness for some cause that they don't believe in. So, um, or, you know, like um, going green, going green. If you are really into the environment and you want to try to like use solar panels everywhere and recycle and some older people, traditional people, maybe like, oh, they're so woke. You know, it's like, I mean, they're probably doing the right thing, but um, some people just don't like change. And so they might say, oh, that person's so woke. And I think it comes from like being woke up, being aware, but it's used as a bad thing. So um, be careful when you use this because it's, it's not a good thing. Like, oh, they're so woke. Um, but it, it is a little bit political. Um, and it's usually older people kind of looking down on younger people if they don't agree with them in general. All right. And the last one, it's, this is an easy one. Number nine was pretty difficult to explain and I hope I did it correctly, but number 10 is very easy. And we'll end with this one. And it is spill the tea. If you're going to spill the tea with someone, that means you are going to gossip. You're going to talk about someone behind somebody's back. That's an idiom, by the way. Like if you talk about someone behind their back, you're talking about them in a bad way. And they're not in the room. So like, oh. I'll, I'll try to use a, 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 oh, 
Okay, how about this? Let's let's do three people. Let's uh, a couple American names here: uh, Jerry, Johnny, and Sally. Those are really old names. But let's say Johnny was flexing, like he wore his Gucci. I don't know, to a party or whatever, and he was flexing. And so the other two people, I can't even remember their names anymore. Is it Sally and Johnny, maybe? Sally and Johnny. Maybe they were over in the corner, and they're spilling the tea on that guy. <sighs> Can you believe he showed up with all this bling? I guess that's another that's another piece of slang, like all this jewelry and just being very showy. And I think if you live in Italy, like, that's just what you do. Like, you dress up. Um, but Americans, you know, we're not known for dressing so nicely. But if you show up at an occasion just, like, all decked out in just expensive clothing or expensive accessories, you know, somebody might spill the tea later. Or if you know somebody broke up with somebody else, but it's a little bit of a, a secret and you talk about them, you're gossiping, you're spilling the tea. So spilling the tea. I hope um, you have enjoyed this. Um, maybe you want to hear another one. Let me know. There's plenty of slang to go around, but I try to do kind of my 10 favorites right now. Uh, leave a comment in the comment section. Um, rate and review if you're listening on Apple Podcasts. If you're enjoying the uh, podcast, please let me know if you think I can do something uh, better or differently. Uh, let me know. So thank you so much for your support. Thank you so much for listening, and I will see you next time. Welcome back. So like I said in the intro, I would love to give you some idioms that you might hear when talking to an American. And the problem with idioms is that they make no sense to what the person is actually talking about. For instance, the first one, we often say, piece of cake if something is easy. I would argue that learning English is not a piece of cake. It is very hard. So if anyone tells you, oh, learning English, that's a piece of cake, they are wrong. And I don't want you to get discouraged when learning English. If you are just starting out, you will have days where it feels like you are learning nothing. And that is not true. It takes a lot of time to learn English. It is not a piece of cake. And you may hear a word 10 times, 15 times, and you may get frustrated with yourself. Like, how can I not learn this word? The more you do it, the easier it will become. The more you listen to someone speaking English, the easier it will get. And eventually, it will become a piece of cake. But like I said, if you are just starting out, 
It is not a piece of cake. It is very hard. Keep it up. The next one I want to talk about is get the hang of it. Get the hang of it. So if you have been studying English for a few years, you might get the hang of it. Get the hang of it means to understand. Get the hang of it. For instance, if someone is just starting to ride a bike, it is going to be very difficult. But with practice, little kids do it all the time. With practice, they eventually get the hang of riding a bike. Getting the hang of it. It means to understand or to accomplish a task. To get the hang of it. Number three. You might hear your friends say, hit me up. Hit me up. Hit me up. It has nothing to do with hitting. Just like cake and easy have nothing to do with each other which makes these idioms so tough. It makes it difficult to get the hang of it when talking about idioms. So hit me up. Your friend does not want you to hit them. It means to get in touch with them, to communicate with them. For instance, let's say it's Wednesday night and your friend and you are talking about possibly getting together Friday night, but maybe you aren't quite sure of your plans. Your friend may say, hey, just hit me up when you know what you're doing. Hit me up. It means give them a text, give them a call, depending on your age, maybe Snapchatting them, giving them a snap, There will be an episode that I talk about um, social media in the United States. And so hit me up may mean get in touch with me, you know, on social media. Hit me up. I hope that's clear. Hit me up just means let me know. Talk to me. Maybe those are also some idioms, but that person wants you to get in touch with them. Hey, hit me up on Saturday and we'll see what we can do. Hit me up. The next one. Ruffle feathers. Ruffle feathers. Ruffle means to like mess around with. It means to like shake. Ruffle. Ruffle feathers. And the idiom actually has nothing to do with feathers. But ruffle to shake something up. If you are ruffling Feathers, it means you are creating problems or you're creating drama, which is a little bit of slang. Drama, causing drama means you are trying to start a fight. Maybe you are talking badly about somebody. But ruffling feathers means there is a situation And a person is making it even more difficult. For instance, let's say you have a friend. And let's say they just broke up 
with their boyfriend. What you might want to do is not ruffle any feathers. Maybe the breakup is a sensitive issue. So you may not want to mention it to your friend for a little while. You don't want to ruffle any feathers. So if there's an argument between two people, um, maybe you stay out of it. You don't get involved so you don't ruffle any feathers. You don't make the situation any worse. The next one, I'd like to talk about keep me in the loop or keep me posted. So keep me in the loop, keep me posted. It can go along with hit me up. But to keep me in the loop, it means if the situation changes, just let me know or keep me posted. There's some information that might change or some additional information may come your way. So your friend may say, oh, yeah, just um, I don't know what we're doing Saturday night, but keep me posted. Maybe we can do something together. So keep me posted, keep me in the loop. It means if situations change, just give me the information. Keep me posted, keep me in the loop. And the last one I'd like to talk about is call it a day. And that means to end something, which is what I would like to do with this podcast after I explain call it a day. So maybe it is getting late And you are out with that friend. Maybe your plans on Friday or Saturday night actually came together. And you got to go out with them. But maybe it's getting late. And maybe you're getting tired. And you say to your friend, "Ah, let's just call it a day. Let's just call it a day. That means you're going to go home and get some sleep. Um, It could also happen in a work situation where maybe you're working on a project and it's going to take a little bit more time than you have until the workday ends. So you might say, let's just call it a day. We'll work on this tomorrow. Or kind of as a bonus, somebody might say, let's just wrap it up. Wrap it up. That means to finish it. You may start back the next day, but to wrap it up, or call it a day means you're done with that situation. I hope these six idioms helped. If you have any questions about it, hit me up on Facebook or hit me up on Instagram. And you can follow those links in the show notes. Thank you so much for listening today. And I will see you on the next podcast. And welcome back. I got 10 more idioms for you today. These are very common. And again, like idioms, um, I said before, they just don't really make any sense. You can't figure out where the definition comes from because the term is pretty unrelated to the actual action that's taking place. So 10 more for you today. I will do my best to explain them. 
Uh, but sometimes there is no explanation for them because they are so different from what is being said. The first one, flying off the handle, flying off the handle. That is when someone gets extremely upset. For instance, maybe when you lived at home with your parents, or maybe you still do, and maybe you had a curfew, which was is what we call the time when a person should be home. So teenagers in the United States often have a curfew at maybe midnight. So your curfew is midnight. But maybe you come home later than midnight. You missed your curfew. And maybe your parents go flying off the handle. They get really upset because you didn't call. They didn't know where you were for an hour. Maybe you get home at 1 o'clock. They would fly off the handle. They would be very upset with you. Very mad. Very triggered. I think we talked about this in a previous podcast. Triggered. If someone gets upset. It's slang, but that's what a lot of kids, I call them kids, teenagers, are saying these days, triggered. Bro, why are you so triggered? Maybe you got upset with someone a little too quickly. You flew off the handle. So that's number one. Number two, excuse me, is to jump the shark. To jump the shark. This is used for television shows. When they do something just really stupid, they come out with a really dumb episode that makes the viewers get upset, and it is called Jump the Shark. This comes from a show called Happy Days in the 1970s in the United States, where the main character of the show, his name was the Fonz, Arthur Fonzarelli, the Fonz, He literally jumped a shark on water skis. And it was at that point, viewers of the show, most of them were like, oh, this show is done. I need to stop watching. So now whenever a television show just makes a really bad mistake, a very dumb blunder, and people stop watching, that is their jump the shark moment. So number two, jump the shark. Number three, nobody likes number three, and that is a backseat driver, a backseat driver. So in your car, we have the front seat where the driver sits with the steering wheel, and then you have the back seat where everybody sits behind that person. The drive, the backseat driver does not have to be in the backseat. They could be in the passenger side. But what all backseat drivers do is always comment on how the driver is driving. So even if you're sitting in the passenger seat, you're you're technically in the front seat. But if you are telling the driver how to drive, wait, wait, stop. No, stop. You're going too. you're going too quickly. Come on. You're going too fast. Slow down. Slow down. Don't. Why'd you have to hit that bump? Oh, my gosh. This is going to take us forever to get there. You need to go quicker. That is what backseat drivers would say. 
and the driver, of course, just wants to drive. Leave me alone. But backseat drivers can't help themselves. They always need to give critiques. They always need to give uh, feedback. But probably the driver doesn't want that. They just want to be able to drive. So backseat drivers, nobody likes them, but we all know them. A backseat driver. Number four is bend over backwards. Bend over backwards. That means when you are really going out of your way to help somebody, which is another idiom. We'll call that a bonus idiom, to go out of your way, to bend over backwards. It means you are providing a lot of help to somebody. For example, excuse me, for example, maybe it is a friend of yours who is struggling with money and maybe you do everything you can. Maybe you even open up a room in your house or your apartment and you let that friend stay with you for a while so they can get back on their feet, to use yet another idiom, so they can get back financially, so they can get their money back and move out on their own. You bend over backwards for that person. Maybe you provide meals for them. Bending over backwards is offering a lot of help. To get somebody back on their feet again means so that they have enough money to survive. Maybe somebody has been fired from their job or they lost their job. Their boss fired them and maybe they don't have any money. So you bend over backwards to help them get back on their feet again. Maybe you know somebody who has a job for them and you give them a job or at least you get them an interview for the job. That would be bending over backwards for someone. Bend over backwards. Number five is a pretty easy one. It's a lemon. A lemon. And when you talk about a car that is just not ever working... Like maybe you bought it and on the second day it starts giving you problems. That would be a lemon. So if you ever hear of a car referred to as a lemon, just like the fruit, the yellow fruit, the sweet, uh, I'm sorry, sour citrus fruit, a lemon, if it's a car, it's just sour. It's not working. Um, Maybe you have to put so much money into it that you lose money. That's a lemon. A car that is always broken is a lemon. Number six, crack someone up. To crack someone up. That means you make them laugh really hard to crack someone up. Maybe it's one of those nights and you're hanging out with your friends and you're really tired and maybe they just say, Something that really cracks you up and you can't stop laughing. If you hear of cracking someone up, that means you are making them laugh really hard. Number seven. Number seven is a number. 
just like we have for number five, a simple fruit, a lemon. Number seven is a number, and that number is 86. 86. If you come to the United States and you work in a restaurant, you will hear that number often. 86 means it's gone. It's been gotten rid of. For example, let's say you hear uh, you are waiting tables in a restaurant and you hear someone yell, 86 the corn. That means corn. You guys have run out of corn. There is no more corn to serve your customers. 86 the beef. No more beef. Um, A less common way to use 86 would be maybe you have plans with somebody. You say, ah, 86 those plans. That means get rid of those plans. 86 them. You can turn 86 the number into a verb. 86 the corn. 86 the beef. 86 our plans. Get rid of them. Number eight. For all of you French speakers, I do apologize, but we do have a term that some people say, it's mostly older people, uh, my age, and people who are in their 40s or older, and if you hear someone say, oh, excuse my French, that means they just swore. They just said some cuss words. They might have dropped an F-bomb. That's another idiom too. The F-bomb, it's for the the very bad word in English that starts with an F. So after someone swears, or maybe right before they swear, they would say, excuse my French, but she is a beep. Excuse my French. That is number eight. Going along with swearing or cussing, as they say in the southern United States, cussing, saying bad words, If somebody flips you the bird, that means they have extended their middle finger in your direction. So if you don't know what the middle finger is, place your hand in front of your face, a couple feet away, turn it around, and then it's the longest one. And if you put all of your other fingers down except for the longest one, You have just flipped yourself the bird. And flipping the bird is um, something that I can't say. But it's not a good thing. Just in case any kids are listening. Um, It goes along with all of the things that you would say excuse my French for. So if you flip the bird to someone, you are giving them the middle finger. And I know it's a little different in each country, but... I think most people are familiar with giving somebody the finger or flipping the bird or giving them the middle finger. I know like in Italy, if you put your your pointer finger or your index finger to like your dimple, to your cheek and twist, that means you like the food. Pretty sure about that. We don't do that in America, but we do flip the bird. We do give the middle finger. Um, If you happen to leave a comment on Instagram, I would love to hear what you do in your country 
to show someone that they have upset them. Um, flipping the bird works really well in a car because maybe there is a driver who is not driving the way you want them to. And if they've really upset you, you can flip the finger. You can flip the bird. You can give them the middle finger. Um, there may be repercussions. They may get upset with you and they may want to fight you. And we call that road rage when somebody gets triggered or flies off the handle when they're driving. Um, yeah, that's called road rage. And tragically, some people have actually died because of road rage. So, but road rage, little bonus idiom there. It's when at least two drivers are upset with each other. Maybe one of them pulls over and the other one pulls over and they start fighting, physically fighting. It doesn't have to be physical. It could be just verbal fighting, but road rage when drivers are upset with each other over each other's driving. And the last one, number 10, get over it. If someone tells you to get over it, that means you need to move past whatever triggered you. Just get over it. Maybe you're in a bad mood. Maybe somebody did something to you that you didn't want and you're mad. And maybe you just won't let it go. There's another idiom for you. Maybe you just cling to that anger. Maybe you're just holding on to that anger and you can't get over it. You know, somebody might say, let it go. Just let it go. I think there's a Disney song that Frozen, like let it go. I am definitely not going to sing, but let it go. That means the same thing as get over it. Like stop worrying about it. Just, just get over it. Move past it. All right, so I hope these have been helpful. I hope you've learned something today. Maybe your English has gotten a little better. That's my goal for this podcast. But I do appreciate you listening and all the love, and I appreciate it, and I will see you next time.